Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name's Patricia Trena, and happy to have you with us again on this podcast day. And as we have been doing for the last week and a half now, we have been counting down to the 2021 NFL Draft. We are trying to feature at least one school per day on the show, kind of bring on the experts who know these schools really, really well and their prospects and have them talk a little bit about them in more detail. And on today, for those of you who have been asking, we finally have the Georgia guys with us. So we are going to talk Georgia's Bulldogs with Clint Shamblin and Daniel Monroe. They are the co-hosts of the Locked On Bulldogs podcast. And gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Good to be here. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks. All right, gentlemen, we're going to jump right in. Um, Georgia recently had its pro day. I'm sure you guys were all over it. Can, can you tell us a little bit about what came out of it? Who helped themselves? Who maybe didn't help themselves? And just, you know, Anything noteworthy to come out of the pro days that you feel people should need to know? I think the first one is uh, everybody is talking about the skyrocket draft of Eric Stokes. Uh, He checked everything off. He doubled up his 40 time, which I did not think he was going to run a second 40 time after showing out uh, at that uh, unofficial pro day. But he came out at the official UGA pro day and backed it up on the 40 time. So he definitely vaulted himself up. Uh, very, very high. And then Ben Cleveland is going to get drafted by somebody who likes the size, frame, and speed ability of him. Uh, and if they disregard some tape, he's going to go uh, very, very high. I think those two guys probably help them out, help themselves out a ton. That's right. Stokes, of course, the cornerback and Ben Cleveland, offensive lineman. Uh, interior, is he, I think? Is that correct? Yeah, he's definitely an interior guy his entire Georgia career. Okay, um, a center. No, not a center, a guard, wasn't no, he? No, guard, guard, yeah. yeah guard. guard, okay. I couldn't remember if he was center and guard. All right, guys, now the Giants have a history of dipping into the Bulldog program. So let me backtrack a little bit here. What is it about that program that you think just produces such high-quality NFL-ready players? Well, I mean, it starts with recruiting, obviously, in the college game. Uh, and so, you know, Kirby's getting great players. He's a great recruiter. He builds a great staff. And then, I mean, I think you see a ton of development happening at Georgia. Eric Stokes is a guy, not a ton of offers, um, not a ton of hype coming out of high school. And he has really worked his way up. Uh, through the ranks at Georgia, played alongside DeAndre Baker, and now um, kind of was the guy in Athens. Um, you've seen that in a lot of positions, uh, really, throughout. Um, and so I think it's it's a combination of, you know, Kirby recruits very talented guys, and these guys are probably, a lot of them are going to play in the NFL regardless. But then a lot, you know, I think one of the reasons you come to Georgia is it's great staff, Dan Lanning, Todd Munkin, the coordinators, along with all of the uh, all of the other support staff that Kirby has in place, really does a great job of developing these guys. And, and we see the progress from year one to year three or four. And then I think uh, gets guys ready for the NFL. 
Yeah, no, it's just Kirby. Kirby is fantastic at also uh, shooting straight with a lot of these NFL coaches and GMs that come in. They know. Uh, and if you understand Kirby, he's not going to say something he doesn't mean. Uh, and he also has a system and a structure in place that is translatable to the NFL. So right now, you know, Justin Fields, everybody's wondering, does Ohio State's system translate to the NFL or was this, you know, how, how do we do that? And people don't know what to take. When you look at Georgia, uh, you know what you're getting and you know how it's going to translate to the NFL very, very easily. So that's part of the development and part of the scheme and part of uh, Georgia just wanting to have excellence all the way throughout. Now, in looking at the list of um, – there, there's about 11 players that uh, declared for the, the draft from Georgia, most of them defensive players. Can you tell us a little bit about the defensive system that was in place there in, in Georgia and how, you know, for the Giants who run a multiple system, you know, a system where, you know, they try and get the pass rush pressure on the front by the defensive front, you know, they need their defensive backs to hold the coverage. Can you kind of, you know, tie that into – the strength of, of what the Georgia prospects have to offer maybe if they are drafted by the Giants? I think Georgia's system, I, w- I would also describe as very multiple. I think that's one of the, when you have a defensive-minded head coach like Kirby um, and then a young, promising, uh, rising star, a defensive coordinator like Dan Lanning, I think these guys, as, as, uh, we, as Clint mentioned just a second ago, they're getting a lot of looks in college um, that are going to translate very well to the NFL. So Georgia kind of typically, I mean, has, has run something that looks sort of like a three, four, but in, in recent years that, that three, four base defense has been um, honestly pretty rare to see on the field. There's a lot of um, nickel corner, like the star position, the money position, which is like a, a fourth corner, or even a hybrid linebacker position who can flex out and, and play some coverage as well. And so you see a lot of different fronts. You see a lot of different activity in the secondary at Georgia. And so I think regardless of the NFL system, a lot of these guys are coming in with at least – you know, they obviously have a lot to learn, but they're coming in with at least a little bit of knowledge from playing at Georgia and running a bunch of different stuff in our in our system. Yeah, that's Aziz Ozilar is a perfect example of that. People want to consider him this edge pass rusher specialist, which he's outstanding in that pass rush. But if you go back and look at his time, he was asked to do everything that a inside linebacker slash edge slash defensive end was asked to do. Uh, set the edge against a run, uh, get after the passer, also drop back in coverage, and he was fluid in all of it. Um, And so that's what Georgia does, too. You don't come to Georgia unless you can do one thing as a corner, and if you can't do this, you won't survive, and that's tackle. So if you're just a coverage guy, good luck. You can go elsewhere. you got to come up and force the run and force the game there. So all these players, yeah, uh, I, I would highly doubt that somebody can go ahead and pigeonhole a lot of these defensive players because they are asked to do a lot at Georgia. It's a very, very complex system that Dan and Kirby has. You can go back to Kirby's days at Alabama. Those defenses were incredible and continue to be incredible. And so these players come in with a wide, wide skill set. You are listening to Locked On Giants with Patricia Trena and special guests Clint Shamblin and Daniel Monroe. They are the co-hosts of Locked On Bulldogs. We're going to take a quick break. 
when we return more from Daniel and Clint after this. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you, and today we are talking Bulldogs, the Georgia Bulldog program, and my special guests are Clint Shamlin and Daniel Monroe. They are both co-hosts of the Locked On Bulldogs podcast. Make sure you check them out. They do a great job. And get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And guys, let's turn our attention to some of these specific um, draft picks or draft prospects, rather. Just want to uh, get your, your take on some names that I know have jumped out to me and who I've seen maybe even mock to the Giants. Um, you guys mentioned the edge rusher Aziz Ajulari. Uh, um, let's talk a little bit about him and what kind of fit he has in the defense and what he brings to the table. Uh, yeah, best, as edge, once, uh, best edge defender in the draft, bar none. That's where you start, right, Daniel? Hundred, yeah, hundred um, percent. No, noted for his pass rush, had an incredible bowl game um, uh, to finish the season against Cincinnati. Um, is in the backfield consistently for this defense, but that's, but it, you know, he brings a level of physicality and the ability to play against the run, to set the edge, um, even to drop in the coverage a little bit if you needed him to do that. Um, and so uh, we think he's a, he's a complete um, – we think he's a complete defensive player. And we've said on our podcast before, we firmly believe that Aziz will be the steal of the, of the first round. When someone picks him maybe late in the first round um, – that that he will he is a defensive rookie of the year candidate in our mind. That's how highly we think of him. Yeah, he's ready day one to come in and get after the quarterback and play. Uh, he doesn't need to develop physically. He's he's big. He's the size of a Shaq Barrett. Uh, we've likened him on the podcast before to Shaq Barrett with his speed, with his size combo. He's almost identical to those height weight measurables. Uh, so he is somebody that yes, day one you get him into that that weight room and he knows how to push around weight. You get him in the film room. He's smart. Um, and he was somebody that was not fooled often or out technique often on the field. He just took over games at times. And especially against Cincinnati, you saw that where he made himself known to a very, very national stage in that bowl game uh, right before the draft. So uh, day one starter. And certainly a guy whose stock has been rising. I mean, he was a guy that, you know, when you were talking about edge rushers at the start of this process, his name really wasn't in the mix. You heard, you know, Micah Parsons, Quiddy Pay, you know, Gregory Rousseau. And, and now his name is, is, is just rocketing up the uh, draft boards for a lot of people. Guys, a, another uh, defensive player that I'm personally intrigued with and, and I'd like to find out more about is linebacker Monty Rice. What can you tell me about him? Mm, Patricia, you have just said Daniel and I is one of our favorite Bulldogs. Uh, this guy is not heralded, is not known by a lot of people, uh, but we've made the joke several times on the podcast, if he touches you, you go down. Uh, he is a sure tackler. 
He is quick. People think that he can't be a three-down linebacker, but uh, let me tell you, he is quicker than quick, strong, heady. And again, we referenced Eric Stokes earlier um, as developed. Monty Rice has been developed at UGA. Uh, and we think he's, he might go, I don't know, fifth round, sixth round, something like that. Uh, but, man, he's going to make an impact for a team. He just plays football and does the job of stopping the offense. Yeah, I mean, the Giants drafted um, Tay Crowder, right, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I mean, not nothing against Tay Crowder, but Monty Rice was head and shoulders better than Tay Crowder last year uh, when Tay Crowder got drafted. And he's only continued to get better. Played through some injury this year, which hampered him a little bit. but. Um, as Clint said, there's nothing flashy about this guy, but he's nothing if not consistent and uh, a sure tackler. And uh, I think I think you'll find your way onto an NFL roster um, with his skill set. Primarily an inside guy, and how is he in terms of his coverage? Again, I think he he probably lacks in some of the raw athleticism that would help him in coverage. Um, He's better downhill than he is in coverage. There's certainly no doubt about that. Um, I don't think necessarily his ceiling is bad coverage. I think his ceiling is probably uh, adequate to fair uh, NFL, you know, coverage. Which obviously, as a middle linebacker in the in the league, you that's a that's a key part of your job description because uh, teams are not running the ball a hundred times a game, and so. Um, that's certainly an area where he needs to grow, but, um, yeah, the technique and, uh, the physicality is there, um, to at least find his way into a role early in his career and then maybe develop some of those other skills. Now you guys, um, you, we've spoken about Eric Stokes, the cornerback, but you have a few other, uh, defensive backs here and um including Tyson Campbell who I think plays on the other side if I'm not mistaken underrated or just somebody who you know you just take a flyer on oh he's not underrated to us uh there's no 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 no. there's no flyer he's better than Eric Stokes so really there's there's that um yeah we 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 definitely believe his ceiling is higher and and I think you could argue you know, there's a way to look at Stokes' numbers and um, and see him as a as a very elite DeAndre, almost like DeAndre Baker type, like DeAndre was at Georgia type corner. But um, but we we've always thought Eric uh, Tyson Campbell um, had more gifts and um, was going to be a better player than Stokes was, and I think you you've started to see that. He's also had some injuries in his career which have hurt him in uh in terms of college production and college playing time but um we like Tyson Campbell a lot he's got uh high end athleticism high end speed um and great ball skills for a corner um has been developed uh under Kirby Smart and I think um I think he's the first corner from Georgia that should be taken yeah, absolutely. There, there is this tendency right now to just go raw numbers and metrics on everything. And there are narratives out there that you get isolated numbers together and Stokes looks to be the better corner on paper. But 
if you turn on the film, uh, Eric Stokes was beat a handful of times by upper tier wide receivers or some pass patterns that really gave him fits, fades to the back of the end zone, uh, things like that. Stokes was not good on, got burned uh, a handful of times. Uh, Tyson Campbell didn't have that in his film. You just turn on the film and this guy looks like a corner that you want. Uh, so he's going to be taken after, but uh, no, his, he, we anticipate him being the best defensive back that Georgia has in this draft class for sure. Okay, interesting, because I know in the research that I've been doing, Stokes' name always seems to come up. And I, and I think this, I don't want to say this is the first time I'm hearing of Campbell, but you know, as, as we walk, work through the, um, the different draft prospects, it's like, <laughs> It just seemed like Stokes was the guy, maybe because he was the first guy to come up. Um, Slipping over to the offensive side of the ball, a guy who, you know, plays a position that I know the Giants are going to need, even though they, they're currently uh, stacked at that spot, is tight end. And you guys have McKitty uh, as a, a tight end who's in the giraffe. What can you tell us about his game? Yeah, Trey McKitty is going to be another guy uh, that has great metrics. So if you turn on the film for him, uh, he, he was used sparingly at UGA. We kind of have a stacked defense or the tight end position right now with uh, Washington playing that position. Uh, but if you go back, uh, they have just an incredible amount of, of metrics, measurables, height, weight kind of stuff. Um, I'm going to use Charlie Warner from last year as an example. Nobody thought Charlie Warner was going to get even a sniff coming into the draft for UGA and he got picked up by the Niners. Um, Trey McKitty is going to have a similar thing where he was a grad transfer, came in to UGA, uh, did admirable when he saw the field. So again, sparing film, but when you see it, he did admirable pass blocking as well as pass catching. He is very fast, very athletic, very lean. Uh, so somebody taking a flyer on him is going to maybe pay dividends. You put him onto the bench for a couple of years. Uh, don't think about it much. And then when he gets his chance, he may turn into one of these tight ends that seemingly always comes up every year in the NFL where they, quote, came out of nowhere, uh, put in some some great system or some great numbers. Uh, Trey McKitty has that ability. Will he? I don't know. We just didn't see enough out of him at Georgia to really make a definite uh, determination. You are listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trena and special guests Clint Shamblin and Daniel Monroe. They are the co-hosts of the Locked on Bulldogs podcast. We're going to take our final break. and When we come back, more from Clint and Daniel on the Bulldogs draft prospects. So please stay with us. Welcome back, New York Giant fans, to Locked on Giants podcast. My name is Patricia Trena, and make sure you join Locked on NFL Draft hosts Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak as they give you the latest positional rankings and analysis on the 2021 draft prospects with team-centric guest mocks right around the corner. Follow the Locked on NFL Draft podcast on the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. And on today's Locked On Giants, we are talking with Clint Shamblin and Daniel Monroe. They are the co-hosts of Locked On Bulldogs. So we are talking Georgia football, a very popular school for the Giants to pluck draft picks out of. And guys, you know, as we get closer to the draft, you know, there's all kinds of smoke screens going on. If you had to pick one guy, whether it be offense or defense from the from the Bulldogs group 
that you think would be the right fit for the Giants, either based on skill set, based on Giants need or a combination of the two, who would you pick? Um, that's a great question. What uh, what number are the Giants picking this year? Eleven. In the first round. Eleven. Eleven. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah, um, for the for Georgia, it's it certainly like when you talk about first round. You, you know, we think a guy like Aziz Ojolari could easily be the eleventh best player taken in this draft, but that that would probably be a reach. So there probably aren't Georgia players in the first round. That the giant, unless they trade back, obviously, um, but not knowing, you know, not knowing need or fit, um, as well as as probably you would. Um, I think the two guys that we're the highest on, we we've talked about already, and they they are Ojolari and Tyson Campbell. We we think really high ceilings for both of those guys, um, and and so. <clears throat> You know, I, I don't know of any NFL team that doesn't need defensive back depth um, uh, or pass rush depth. And so I would suspect that the Giants could probably use those. But, again, not knowing specific fit and needs um, as well as you would, those are the two guys probably were the highest on. Yeah, the, the other one that's going to come later in the draft is going to be another steal for somebody on the offensive line interior. Ben Cleveland is going to get a lot of notoriety because he is just a mountain of a man. He is bigger than big. Um, but if you look down at Trey Hill, uh, Daniel and I love the trenches. Look, look to Trey Hill to make somebody look really smart um, by just being a, a mid-pick guy who comes in and has a stable offensive line. So anybody that needs that interior of the offensive line shirt up, uh, he's somebody else to keep your eye on. But, yeah, the, the top two, uh, Tyson Campbell, Ojolari, are, are the cream of the crop for this draft class. And certainly at needs for the New York Giants. And then, guys, is there anybody else from the Georgia group that we haven't really touched upon that you think is kind of flying under the radar, is going to make some team extremely happy and surprise the rest of the league, you know, because really he's flying under the radar? I think I think the most intriguing player in the draft for Georgia is Richard LeCount. Um, he is a, a four-year starter, um, uh, has been a, a, a tremendous player for us, uh, tremendous um, – played the safety position and was kind of an anchor in the back end of the defense for several years. Um, fan favorite, everybody's loved him, had a um, – incredibly scary motorcycle accident uh this past season and um missed about the second half of the season is still recovering from that was able to participate at the pro day but he's a guy that coming into this season was being mocked in the first round of the draft and um now has obviously fallen way down draft boards and so you don't really know what you're getting out of a guy which um, in the NFL draft makes um, NFL GMs uh, seemingly very scared. They like to overanalyze and over-research every uh, every pick, obviously, so, since they're spending so much money on it. But uh, Richard LeCount is a guy that could have incredible value for a later round selection. And I think Georgia fans are all really hoping 
uh, for good things for this kid. Uh, he deserves it. He's been um, he's been great for us, and uh, excited to see him hopefully take another step in his uh, football career. So I think that's the prospect that it, he's maybe under the radar, but he I mean he maybe is accurately ranked where he is because nobody really knows what he's got right now coming off of the not just a a football injury but a life-threatening injury that he had earlier this year yeah he's going to be a huge lot of ticket for somebody uh as daniel said could just be this guy that loves football so much he wills himself into a a great positional player in the nfl uh we like him uh another name to keep an eye on is malik herring uh defensive end at georgia at times on film in different games, he dominated. And I don't mean dominated as in he played. He took over offensive linemen uh, in, in flashes, but not consistently. And he doesn't have that high-end measurable on like a cone drill or a 40 or something like that. He tore his ACL, so that's going to hurt his draft stock as well. But if he keeps flipping down, somebody's going to give him a flyer. And if you move him in, he's got a big frame. He's about 275, something like that. You move, you move Malik inside um, and, and have him collapse that pocket and push some guards back into the face of the quarterback. Uh, he's intriguing to me as well, and I don't know if many are talking about him. But like I said, at moments, he took over games, and he was single-handedly stopping drives for Georgia. So that's another name to keep an eye on. All right, guys, and then uh, just to look ahead a little bit, I know there was a list of guys that are not coming out in the draft that – at least this year, they're going to come back, come out. I think next year, anyone in particular that announced they were staying that surprised you that you thought maybe would be in this year's class? Yes, all, all of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have so many that came back. Uh, it starts with JT Daniels at quarterback. Uh, he he came back. Uh, James Cook, running back, uh, decided to come back, which was. Again, shocking to us. Zemir White, maybe a little less shocking at running back as well, um, but definitely came back. There was a, a whole hashtag of unfinished business that we got a slew of people back in this draft that next year, uh, people talking about maybe this is going to be the most um, rookies that have been drafted out of Georgia in this coming draft for Kirby Smart. Next year's draft, watch out because we got guys like Jordan Davis uh, who will yeah. be. Uh, the best defensive lineman. He he is the best defensive lineman in college football. He is a force. He came back for another year. We assumed he was gone for sure. We lamented the day that he uh, was gone, but then he, all of a sudden he came back. Um, that man right there is bigger than big and going to dominate people. So Jordan Davis, to me, probably is the best, outside of JT Daniels at the quarterback position because of the premium on that, uh, probably the most complete player Georgia has in next year's draft. All right, great stuff, guys. Really appreciate the information. Uh, tell everybody what you got going on over at the Locked On Bulldogs uh, podcast. Yeah, spring practice is underway, and um, the G-Day game, the spring game it is happening. And so while the NFL is gearing up for the the biggest uh, celebration or, or party of the year in the NFL draft, um, College football is is actually happening in in some respects. Spring practice and and uh, uh, at least a televised scrimmage um, for most teams in the country. And so uh, we're talking about um, 
everything that's going on there, some injuries coming through that are concerning, but um, a lot of excitement on the offensive side of the ball particularly. And so Clint and I are there five days a week breaking it down and then talking about a bunch of other absolute nonsense as well. All right. Make sure, folks, you check out our Locked On College hosts. They do a fantastic job. Clint and Daniel, I mean, you're not going to get a more authoritative voice than their voice. They they follow every little thing, not just of football, but I'm, I'm sure they you guys follow the other sports, too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and you do a great job of it. And I really appreciate, again, the information you were able to share on the Georgia draft class and um we'll see what happens and like i said if the giants pick up a a bulldog we will be in touch and have you guys back on to break it down for us giant fans thank you so much for tuning in to today's show keep it here on lock on giants all week long we'll have more schools more draft previews you know we're getting so close i don't know about you but i am psyched and super stoked to to be covering the draft this year for Daniel Monroe and Clint Shamblin, I'm Patricia Trana. Folks, have a great day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.